You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yes, welcome in. It is episode 38, the Paul Healy. How's that one for a throwback episode of Orange and Backcheck presented by America's top-rated sportsbook app, DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code BACKCHECK when you're signing up and get your sign-up bonus Sitting across from me and excited to go through our episode here that is going to be a play-by-play of the MLS's back tournament, <laughs> Scott Weinhardt. I, was, yeah. I couldn't get through that joke. I can't do it, man. No, no, no. You keep your mouth quiet. Shea Weber just scored for the Canadians. Canadians, <laughs> a one month thing, 15 minutes left in the first period between Pittsburgh and the Canadians. Woo, baby! Yeah, and exactly as you said, Montreal has nothing to play with here, and they are going to eliminate the five seed Pittsburgh if things keep up. Because in the games that I've watched, it seems not it, it, the Flyers are a team that's on the up and up, obviously, because they they obviously beat Boston. But it's either you're really really hot, or you're doing the Boston Bruins, and you're just struggling here and not having it fully. You're not fully ready to go here. Well, well, let's let's take a step back. The Flyers have only played in one game as well, so let's not think too far down the road. Tomorrow is a big test for them. Yep. Yes, they beat Washington a couple times during the season. We'll dive into what Washington looks like in a little bit, but it's more or less about the teams gelling and playing together, and teams that should be able to knock some of these teams out or put them on their heels haven't been able to do so. Pittsburgh, for all intents and purposes, uh, should be really blowing out the Canadians for how good of a team they are. And I think this goal is going to get called back for interference. We'll, I'll touch on that in a second. More importantly, another series that really looks interesting so far, which has been really a lot of defensive-oriented games that I was more surprised about. It's been Columbus and Toronto. That you know that series is tied at one. There's been a total of three goals scored. The uh, I'm sorry, four goals scored the entire series. So. It's 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 interesting to see that if, as a team like Toronto, how much talent they have, and they're letting Columbus hang around. They're going to pay for that. And same thing with Pittsburgh. If they let Montreal hang around, they're going to pay for it. Yeah, and and before we get into the around the league, we have some. We already had our first elimination for the qualifiers here in New York. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's focus on the Flyers here. So they broke the news here today. Not break the news. I just it was just part of AV's. Uh, normal press conference. Brian Elliott's going to get the nod tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon, excuse me, at 4 o'clock uh, against Washington. 
the team as a whole has had a lot of success against the Washington Capitals this season. Um, but by far, I believe his save record is like 938, 940, something in that range for Brian Elliott against Washington particularly. I think it just makes it. It's the most logical thing AV can do here is put him against put them him against the Washington Capitals. It, it does, but not because of his save percentage. Uh, and by the way, the goal count at Shea Weber's goal count at Montreal leaves one nothing. Very nice. Importantly, what you need to know is that uh, Elliot also needs to be prepared and be in a big game situation. He had them during the season in a game where they needed to win against Columbus, and he started the game. Um, it, it you you have to make sure that he's ready to go in case something happens to Carter Hart. With Carter Hart, he did have that back injury a few weeks ago. It's something that probably has passed at this point. But if he does get something happen where he gets an injury or happens where he contracts COVID, Elliot's got to be ready to go because yep. they're going to have to lean on him. So it's extremely important that Elliot gets to start tomorrow, regardless of what happens. He's got to see that game action. He can't throw a goalie cold into the playoffs like that. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where, it, 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 like you said, you have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best because it, it, and a, a nod of Brian Elliott having the getting the start tomorrow night isn't a, a, a slam at Carter Hart. It's, exa- it's part of this thing, and I apologize for my dog barking in the background there. But like, uh, and growling. And growling. Like, a little voice. Wow. You know why? It's because you have the MLS on here. You're yeah. not watching Canadians and, and the Penguins. What the hell's the matter with you? Hold on. Let's, let's see if he'll stay calm. Hey, buddy, come here. All right, he's gone. He's gone. He didn't want to. I tried to calm him down, and he did not want to do it. Episode 38, come and gone just like Paul Healy. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. So I, I look at the Brian Elliott thing, and I'm just like, this. He had, he's just like Carter Hart and the rest of the guys up until Sunday against Boston. They hadn't played a significant game in four months. They're rusty. Whether they whether they won four one or one nothing against Boston, they were still rusty. Brian Elliott has been sitting on ice, no pun intended, for four months. He has to get out there, and the success he's had against Washington just makes sense. He, I don't believe he's had equal success against the Lightning. I don't think even Carter Hart's had good success. They, the team has struggled against the the Lightning this season. So you want your number one playing against the potentially the the battle you're going to be having for the number one seed. Uh, and you want Brian Elliott, who's most successful against Washington, to get his feet under him against that team. I think it just makes complete sense. You know, it's funny because for his career, Brian Elliott has a .895 save percentage against the Capitals. This year, it's a .926, as you said. So that's he, – he started in most of the games against them because he need him to get into that – that mode to make sure he's ready to go and he's a very capable goaltender if something happens to Carter Hart anybody looking at this as a slight is not seeing the bigger picture people can say well you got to get the kid ready for the playoffs the kid is ready yeah so what he did against Washington I'm sorry against um against Boston thank you I you know he's ready he's ready to go and he's gonna have to play the lightning this weekend so it's really important that Elliot gets a start in here against a team that he's had success against and a team that he knows how to play knows what's coming and for him to get into a good rhythm and a good flow in case he has to come into a game in the playoffs for whatever reason. Yeah, and let's dive deep into your so our quick reaction on, uh, on Sunday night, our Sunday afternoon after the game against Boston. I think we both had the consensus that Carter Hart looked as sharp as sharp could be, allowing only one goal, and I believe the total was 37 shots, turning 36 away. Um, I, I mean... 
other than that, how did you view him? Did you did you go back and take a look at any tape or is there any? I viewed he, him. Yeah, I viewed him on my fifty-five inch screen TV. Is that what you're asking me? I'm, I'm asking if you went back and watched him. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> at some point. I, I'm, I'm trying, trying to f- do a little joke there. Yeah. I'm trying to do a little joke there. It I, didn't work, obviously. I didn't get Did it. Did I go back and watch the highlights? Yes. I, you hit, okay, I don't, I'm not going to... If I had to explain the joke, it doesn't work. Somebody it doesn't out there work. is probably chuckling It doesn't work. It. No, it doesn't. Or someone, or one of our listeners yelling at us, like, move on, come on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, at least I didn't say the point is last week, and I said it right there intentionally, which is a good thing. I've been consciously trying to change that. Moreover, I'm trying to use bigger words like that. With Carter Hart, I watched his game again. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Positionally, he was his technique was beyond fantastic. I didn't see him at one point where he was out of position on any shot. Granted, the Flyers' defense did play well and didn't give Boston a whole lot of great scoring chances, but when they had a few, Carter Hart was right there. He played very square, played very at the top of his crease. His movements were really, uh, really, really well. Um, I think also this is more of the goalie nerd inside of me. I think what also is helping him is he's got new gear and part of the new gear is that it's a whole new line and that I, you know, we mentioned on the Twitter feed a few weeks ago, he doesn't, he's using what's called Lefebvre. It's a, it's an, it's um, CCM used to own the brand. They don't own it anymore. He goes, he's going with that one. And you're seeing a lot of goalies who are using that, who have an actually a little more success, like Freddie Anderson, who gives up some weird leaky goals. Yeah. He switched over to this and now he's playing at the top of his game as well. So, um, having that, that can actually play in your advantage as well because you're using less energy if your gear is lighter. I, I don't want to say that's a huge impact on it, uh, but I do believe it could play somewhat of a factor. It's important to know, too, that Carter Hart, as well, is also extremely focused. He does do the sports psychology, as we've talked about it plenty of times. Um, with him, though, it's the fact that he's going into this and people saying, oh, he doesn't look like a 21-year-old kid. Well, Okay, there's a couple players who have never really looked like a 21-year-old kid. Let's look at Matt Murray from three years ago when he won back-to-back Stanley Cups. He was around the same age. Yeah. He was ready, and he won back-to-back Stanley Cups. He came out of nowhere and really took the job from the flower flurry. Like, yeah, that was ex- it. Exactly. And that's that's something that people don't realize, that Marc-Andre Fleury is a surefire Hall of Famer. And he's and he he I mean for crying out loud he's won three Stanley Cups yeah one and he almost and won half, four really. he almost yeah. won four in Vegas to play against uh, in the inaugural <laughs> season for Vegas like that's nothing to sniff at Mark Andre no. Fleury is one of the best goalies that we've watched in our era of hockey or our decade the last decade of hockey plus and right. it's it's something that I think it's one of those scenarios oh he's a Pitts, he's a former Pittsburgh Penguin he's not very good I think it's yeah, that scenario he's elite he's he's probably the best goalie. Him and Carey Price are probably the two. Carey Price yeah. doesn't have any hardware as far as the Stanley Cup goes, but Flurry, while he's won a couple Stanley Cups, uh, they're neck and neck of how well they've been on this whole this whole era of hockey. And let's not just look at Matt Murray either. Let's look at Jordan Bennington from last year. Jordan Bennington also, while he's 25, a little bit older, it still was his first year full-time in the National Hockey League. This is a guy who got called up in January and is holding the Stanley Cup over his head in June. You know, it is possible. It, age doesn't matter when you're a goaltender if your technique is right. There's some guys mentally who kind of, you know, fall behind the eight ball. That's why Dave Riddick, while he started a lot of games for Calgary this year, he's riding the bench now because he gave up a lot of weird late goals. So 
it, it doesn't matter how much experience you have as a goaltender. It does help. But if you do play, um, if you do play as far as your technique and you trust your instincts and you do what you need to do in the net, you're going to have a lot of success. Pittsburgh just tied the game, by the way, 1-1. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, as you t- said in our uh, the Chalk Talk series on the goalies, if you are a pristine skater and yes. you are the best skater on your team as the goalie, you're going to do a lot of work with little to work, having to do very little other than skating. Like as weird as that, like you see what I'm saying? Like if you can yeah, skate, you can easily stop a lot of pucks, a lot of rubber that's going to come at you at come your way. And Carter Hart did that. Like he didn't seem to be out of position, even in the last, what was it? Three or four minutes where Boston finally Boston was, decided to pull. Yeah. Halak. When they were pressing them are, and that's when he played at his best because he didn't give up a late goal, yep. which can sometimes shift the momentum a little bit. I mean, what's crazy is that that all comes down to the way he played was just because of his skating. You had he had to do a lot of lateral movement there, left to right, left to right, you know, back top of the crease. That can get really, really exhausting. And when you're in a rush like that and you're you're pinned down, but he didn't flinch. He didn't make one mistake. You know, the only knock I can really say on him is that sometimes, and a lot of goalies do this, especially younger ones. They, they don't really cover the five hole with their stick, which they should do. They kind of turn it out to the side, and sometimes that happens. You just mentally don't realize it's not there. Yeah. That's really the only flaw in his game, but as he gets older, he'll do that. I mean, you can go back and look at a lot of the goalies who were, um, like, let's take a Marc-Andre Fleury, and let's take a look at Carey Price. Carey Price at 2-1 Penguins, by the way. They just scored again. Carey Price, while he's getting ripped apart right now, he was actually... You could see a lot of similarities when he came out with Carter Hart. He had a lot of potential, did a lot of things in juniors, won World Junior Championships. I remember watching that live back in 2008. Carey Price actually had to make a lot of adjustments to his game when he came to the NHL. He had to get lower in his stance. He used to play up a lot higher, more of a blocking style, as we touched on. Um, you know, the, if you understand the blocking style versus the, the more athletic butterfly style, hybrid style. Mm-hmm. Um he, he really had to switch his style and is much, much better because of that. And also, he's the best skater in the game. When you can skate and when you can do your pushes very well, Brian Elliott isn't the best pusher in, in the league. He just doesn't have that lateral skating ability. He can do it and get across to make the save, but he's usually not in position to make the third save after that. Carter Hart is. And that's going to be big importance when you get into the playoffs because there's going to be a lot of garbage goals and trashy goals that happen that the goalie has to be in, in space from. So um, going back and to kind of reiterate, I didn't see any problem in his game the other day, but yet again, Boston wasn't playing at their best. I'm curious to see what's going to happen during uh, against Tampa. You don't really need to see him against Washington because it's not going to be the same level as it was against Tampa. And he struggled against Tampa this year. Yeah, and, and that leads to me to my next question for you. Like, is that to see? Be, is it the speed of Tampa that is what Carter Hart needs to really? Is probably the thing he it, it, that people should be watching for when they play on Saturday because that's when our our we'll have a reaction pod to. Uh, the Tampa game on on Saturday afternoon. I believe it's. A, I don't even actually think they've announced the time. But is Carter Hart's pushing ability and just lateral quickness something that all Flyers fans should be really focused on for Saturday's game? I know we're looking ahead. We'll get into Washington in a minute. But because Carter Hart is the topic, I'll, I'll bring up Tampa now. Is is that who what we should be immediately looking for come Saturday? Like uh, lateral that lateral quickness because of how quick Tampa is. Yes, because a couple times. 
Tampa's really good off the rush. They're very, very good at creating turnovers and going in uncontested. It, it, they're, they're very, very good at that. You turn the puck over in the neutral zone, they're off to the races the other way, and they score a lot. A couple goals that he gave up this year weren't bad, but they weren't good. Alex Kalorn had a shot where it went off of him, he popped out, and then he found a hole. Yeah. Um, there was a Braden Point. Like uh, He made a quick move, and when you, as a shooter, what they try to do is that they try to, it's not about how hard you shoot, it's about the release. And there was once where Braden Point just moved this stick into a different position very quickly and wristed it, and you know, you're out of position for the entire shot when that happens. He's got to read them because they do that stuff a lot faster. They're very, very offensive-minded when it comes to that. So their talent up front is much better than what they'll see against Boston. Washington would be a decent test for him, but you got to get Elliott in a game. And Elliott, with all due respect to him, look, he's a very capable backup. Elliott is an awful matchup against the Lightning. So yep. um, y- y- you've seen what Carter Hart could do against the Capitals this year. You're going to see very similar play style against with the Lightning. A lot of... He's got to make sure that he's covering all part of the net as far as making sure there's no leaky holes, and he's got to make sure that as far as it, um, you know, when he, you know, when guys are alone in front, he's got to be able to either control his rebounds and also at the same time make sure that he's reading not the third, the second man in the play, but the third man in the play because the Lightning are very dangerous with that. Yeah, they're they're incredible at the at, at the F three is what you're saying. Like they yeah they're, they 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 set up a lot of plays for the trailer, and, and yep. no matter what you were, and they do it so fast that you know it's coming, but you just can't keep up with it. So that's what makes them dangerous. He's going to see a lot of one-on-one chances. The guys who are going to have open ice and have a minute to make a decision. That's going to be important for him to make sure that he's aware of that. I'm sure that um, uh, that Ken Dillaball has probably worked on that with the tape with him. Um, they they've got to be. And I, you know, again, I know we're looking really far ahead here, but this is this is a big test for Carter Hart because if he can stand up against Tampa, I can see people getting really excited over this. But I don't want people to get all like, oh my God, they lost against the Lightning. They didn't do anything against the Lightning. If you know things don't go as well. Well, it also depends on what happens in Washington. But before we get into the Washington matchup for tomorrow afternoon, um, the other player that we might be seeing soon, and I can't believe we're going to – and we talked about it, how incredible this is that he was just on the roster, but sometimes just being on the roster doesn't mean that you're going to play. Oscar Lindblom's over in Sweden right now practicing. He's skating. He looks good, according to AV. And he's expected to join them in the bubble in Toronto within, I believe it was by the first round of the playoffs – like, what does an Oscar Lindblom add? Like, obviously, there's already a lot of... We talked about it post-reaction right after the Boston game. The bottom six looked really good. And, and and do you bring Oscar Lindblom to, say, add another piece, another forward when someone needs to step in if, God forbid, something happens and someone contracts COVID? Or is there a chance that we're actually going to see him in a meaningful game one of round one of the playoffs against whoever that may be, whether it's Montreal, uh, Carolina, whoever... whoever Whoever stacks up being at the end of, at the end of this. See, here's my thing with Limblom. Yes, I, I think it's wonderful he's come back from this. I would not mess A with the chemistry. Same. That, actually, that's that's B. For me, B. A more important for me looking at this, I'm not a doctor. I'm not gonna pretend to be a doctor. I just try to look at the obvious. The guy just recovered from cancer. Do you really want him to put at risk for anything that he could contract COVID? 
No, of course I, not. I, but I, I would not want to do that. Now, granted, he's an adult. They, you know, in the team, exactly. I'm sure they know he yep. can make his own decisions. You know, I'm sure the team is not going to be putting him in harm's way if that's the case. Maybe that's why he's in Sweden right now uh, until they make sure that there's nothing going on here. I would just be concerned about that. I think that with him taking as much time as he needed to come back from this, you don't want to rush it. Uh, kind of like a Nolan Patrick situation. Yep. Even if he was ready to go now, Patrick hasn't played in a year. Limblom hasn't played since what December? December is when he right before Christmas he got diagnosed with. Yeah, uh, so you're you're talking cancer. nine months there without a game. I don't think you can throw a kid like that right into the playoffs. Granted, he probably would do pretty well because he's a resilient kid, considering he just came over this. Uh, more importantly, though, I, I just from a health standpoint and from a team chemistry standpoint, I don't think it would be best unless something happened where they absolutely needed him. Yeah. Uh, only because you're while you know how to play the game, it's like riding a bike. I just curious how well the legs are in a game situation. If you're going to throw the kid in the Stanley Cup playoffs and do that, granted, do I think he could ace it and be a good player and an impactful player? Absolutely. Do you want to take that risk? I would as as from a coaching standpoint, but, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't. I would just say I wouldn't. Put it I'm, this not, way. I'm not A V though. A V's a lot ballsier than I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually what I was gonna lead to. Like I A V we talked about it in our I think our first or second episode ever in the offseason back in uh early September. A V historically has not leaned heavily on the young guys. I feel like he's completely done an about-face with this particular Flyers team. He's leaned on the young guys, Carter Hart, uh, Tyler Pitlick, Morgan Frost. These guys have been tapped, and they said, show me what you can do by AV, and they've produced, and they've been rewarded for it. Now, I like put it this way, my, my the, the I think it's a question of, do you want to see Derek Grant? Or do you want to see Oscar Lindblom in a game in a game seven scenario like that? That's really what it comes down to, I think, for AV, right? Uh, yeah, and I would go Derek Grant. He's got the experience. I, he has I, the experience. I, I, I also, but I would argue that Oscar Limbaugh might have that hunger. You always have that player that has that hunger. Fair. He's he's come out from cancer, and and like you said, he's an adult. Like there, there's nothing, there's nothing in my mind that that doubts Oscar Limbaugh is on the phone or texting AV or Claude Giroux, yeah. someone, and just saying. I'm coming, and I'm getting ready to go. I'm yeah. going to be stepping in. I'm going to make an immediate impact because let's we also let's talk about the fact that he's a left winger that the Flyers have been looking for for years. Like the, it, it's a scoring left winger in Oscar Limbo. I, I, I like scoring in, in, is relative in this scenario. Like he's not going to be scoring 50 goals a year, but he's going to give you 15 to 25 by the time he if, if he continues to ascend like he's been he was ascending before the diagnosis. Like this kid. Is could be something. I don't want to say special, but I'll say impactful. No, he's definitely already impactful. something special. Absolutely, yeah. already something special. You know, in this city, you know, more. I, I think that though, um, if you look at it as a whole, you know, and, and to go back to your point about the left winger they've been looking for, it's a different team. They needed that when Giroux was your top center and, and Vortek was your top wing. Now Giroux's being that top left winger, and you have Kateri as your top center, and you're deep enough where you don't need to rely on that. True. I would look at it this way: is that you know. You're probably better off letting him. If he wants to join the team, let him join the team. Let him practice with the team. In case there's an injury and you need something like that, you, you, yeah, then yes, absolutely. But to break up the way they're playing now with that chemistry and the amount of grit they have on that bottom six, I wouldn't change that at the moment. 
if it, I think it's going to be a scarier thing if we're looking way down the road, looking next season. If they get back Nolan Patrick healthy and Oscar Lindblom healthy, my goodness, this team's going to be really, really, really yes, dangerous. They're going to be very fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of goal scoring, and it and it goes to that point. We didn't really touch on this about how well we did a little bit. the The depth of this team is something we haven't seen since. The late since I would say 2004, that yeah. team that team was deep. They just got banged up defensively. They could have won the cup. The '97 team that was another deep team. Um, 2000, I don't know how deep they were. The 2010 team when you when you got to that fourth line, it was kind of mix and match. Their bottom six pair or their yeah. bottom defensive pair wasn't that great, yep. which is ultimately why they lost the Stanley Cup because of that uh, line with um oh was it Oscars Bartolis and. Oh, well, there was another guy as well. I forget uh, his name, but either way, um, you just knew it wasn't good. No, 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 it was not. That they got they got mauled apart. This team, you don't see any of that. They could their bottom their bottom defensive pairing could take on a top line without an issue. I feel, and that's that's a testament to how this team is constructed and how well they're coached. So, uh, the depth here, if you know. You're you're gonna make a run at it. You you have to. I would say it would be a very very shocking thing to see them go early. I I've maintained the entire season that they can go to the conference final. I think the way they're constructed, they are. I don't want to get anybody hyped because it's only been one game. But listen, I have an opinion. I have a view, and I'm sticking with it. I think this team is deep enough and talented enough to get to the conference final. Yeah, I, I, I think I, it's I, also I, just the body of work. The team, the body of work leading from early mid March when they were on that hot streak and it, leading up to this to the stoppage, the body of work is still there. Like to say yeah. that, like it, it, yes, it was. It's weird to see this team all of a sudden playing meaningful hockey in August because obviously they're preparing for the net the new season at this point they're I don't even think they're at they're probably at in uh what's the place they go to the short point Stone Harbor I believe is where they they take the rookie camp like that's what we're trial on the aisle yeah that's usually the point where we're at here not playing playoff hockey or quote-unquote playoff hockey because as much as I I keep trying to convince myself that this is a playoff but it's not it's a round robin leading into the playoffs but I digress but before we let's get into the uh let's dive into the other series here in a minute but before for that, let's thank DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sponsor and presenting sponsor of the Orange and Backcheck podcast. Listen, the long wait is finally over. In addition to hockey and basketball all coming back, golf's first major of the year is this coming weekend. The golfers are heading to San Francisco and co- and they're going to compete for the biggest one of the biggest majors in golf. And there is no better way to join the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate golf's first major of the year, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering special odds and promotions all weekend long. Not just daily, not just hole by hole, all weekend long. And all new users get a sign-up bonus up to, ready for this, Scott, $1,000 presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. All you have to do is, yeah, right? Every day of the tournament, DraftKings Sportsbook is boosting your profits by 30%. All you have to do is opt in and place a bet. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including player props, day-by-day action, and even hole-by-hole action. Scott, if you want to bet on that fifth hole, you can just stick with that fifth hole the whole time. Perfect. As f- do that. And even as football, right? You can just stick with the fifth hole. That's all you got to do. As f- the as football season approaches, DraftKings Sportsbook has rolled out a new season long 
football pick'em pool with two million dollars in prizes up for grabs. Make wait, your wait, wait. How much? Two million dollars in prizes are up for grabs for all our listeners make your picks and watch the games unfold plus DraftKings Sportsbook is safe secure and reliable betting app you can direct you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience anytime here's all you have to do Download the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, the dr- download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code BACKCHECK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is enter promo code BACKCHECK when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, here's the deal. You must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in par- in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino, bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each of them up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, so, the, the, Scott, I think the biggest news of the day was just that we already have our first elimination. The New York Rangers and the King, King Hank, are going back to New York, and they've lost to Carolina, and where do they... Your initial thoughts, I'm not shocked. Carolina is a really, really good team. We saw yep. hints of that last year, and all of a sudden, they're they're really competitive. They're going to be... They're going to make some noise in the first round and beyond. I would not doubt it. Uh, and then on the other side, the... You, the, a lot of wondering of what happens here. You, you have a young goaltender uh, with Shesterkin, and then the, with King Hank, who's probably one of the probably one of the, if not the oldest goalie out there, is still in the league. I one of them. Yeah, one I, of them. I, he's 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 thirty eight. He, there, there's not a lot left in the tank there with Hank. And you saw um, it this year. This was probably a little bit last year. I would say more prominently this year is when you really started to see. Hank's losing a step here, and it's sad to watch because I think it's one of the biggest wastes of talent other than Claude Drew, who has <laughs> not won a cup. Yeah, You know, Hank is a guy where over the past four years, he's really started to go down a little bit. He's no longer the guy that can play 50 to 55 games. But you look back yesterday, he gave up a couple softies that you know he's went back. Um, with Hank, though, it's... It's in, he's gonna he's on, he's got one year left on his deal. I don't know what the Rangers are gonna do. He wants to kind of he said he wants to maintain and finish his contract and stay with the Rangers. I don't know if the Rangers are gonna keep him because they have a log jam and goal. If you can yeah. get something, you can. I mean, look look around the league at who really needs goaltending. Not that many people, and there's there's some teams that have older goaltenders that are really showing their age this year. Henrik Lundqvist is one of them. Pecorine isn't starting right now. Uh, UC Saros is starting for Nashville. He's on the bench. He didn't look good at all this year, Pecorine. And also Devin Dubnik in Minnesota. Um, he has benched for Alex Stalock. So there's a lot of guys who have a lot of experience who aren't playing this year. So there's going to be a lot of goalies available on the market this year. Yeah. I look at it with New York. I... They, I think they're going to go with Shesterkin, and I think they're going to go with Georgiev. I think that they believe that tandem is going to work for them 
you know, Alexander Georgiev is a guy who um, the Flyers have seen a couple times, and they've they've beat him. But they fly they the Flyers haven't seen Igor Shosturkin before the big games in March when they were supposed to play. Shosturkin got in a car accident and couldn't play. Um, they played Lundqvist, and Lundqvist got tore up for sitting around for a month. I think a little bit of what we saw with Lundqvist here was rust, but also his game has declined quite a bit, and the Flyers have torn into him the past couple seasons. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think that if he does want to go somewhere and wants to waive his no-trade clause, he's going to want to go to a team that's ready to win a cup. The question is, though, is someone going to be able to take on that salary and give up something for him for a guy who maybe has one year left to tank and maybe can play 50 games. He's not going to play 55 to 60. No, he's not that guy anymore. Ironically, he needs to go to a team similar. He's not going to come to the flyers. Like before anyone tries to push that narrative out there, they're talking out their ass. Like that's not going to happen here, especially because like you said, the salary is too much. The flyers are already always in cap hell and they don't need to be in that because they took on a bloated contract, bloated in terms of relativeness. Well, not only that too, you're going to get Carter Hart to play 55 to 60 games next year. If he's healthy, you need a backup for Carter Hart to stand in and Lundqvist, that's not his role right now he's not he's not at the point where he needs to go to a backup full-time role he, he's not going to work that way you need him in like a mason Neuvert situation where you have a 1a and 1b i could see him actually going to edmonton if edmonton can you know pull it together against chicago that series is tied 1-1 if they can pull it together i can see henrik lundquist you know the edmonton Oilers taking a flyer on him for one year and saying hey we're gonna go for it because they have miko koskinen and mike smith's gonna be a free agent this year i think mike smith's pretty much cooked um but with lundquist and koskinen being able to split starts you have that veteran guy there i think that could be interesting yeah i think that's that's a great point by you but for edmonton edmonton's that team that just i mean they have their issues obviously they have Connor mcdavid that's not ever going to be an issue as long as Connor mcdavid number 97 is on the ice but if they get a sustainable a a a serviceable i should say goalie in henrik lundquist they can make a deep run they wouldn't struggle against a, a an average blackhawks team if Henrik Lundqvist is at least a presence on that team. Like, right. like I'm not saying he's going to be the end-all, be-all starter, but his presence alone probably gets them. They probably beat Washington or t- Washington, excuse me, Chicago in at this point in the qualifier. If the, if the, if Henrik Henrik Lundqvist is on Edmonton right now, right, right. That's no, how I, I look I, at it. I I agree. I don't think that anybody else really needs a goaltender out there. I mean, you know. Ed, uh, Vancouver's I had to make a decision on uh, you know um, Jacob Markstrom this year. Uh, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to be the best goalie available. Uh, I mean New Jersey. New Jersey needs a goalie. I, I don't know about Mackenzie Blackwood. Corey Schneider has that contract, but he has he's barely won any games the past couple seasons. You know there really is no team that the goaltending hasn't been an issue really for anybody this year. Yeah, it's been Honestly, weird, right? It's, it, yeah, goaltending. I haven't it's, seen goaltending. You usually hear the Flyers, and the Flyers are like, "Hey, we have Carter Hart, we have a twenty-one yeah. year old," yeah. and everyone else is like, well, "Now what do we do? Everyone has a goalie exactly. now." Exactly. I mean, it's San Jose. They're not going to. Martin Jones is still serviceable, and you know it, he's. They're not going to do anything with him. You know, you, L.A. Even though they're not weren't even in the playoffs, they have Jonathan Quick. They're not going to trade him for Henrik Lundqvist, and or even even Anaheim. Anaheim was one of the worst teams in the league this year, and 
they have John Gibson, one of the best goaltenders in the league. The only team that really probably could use a goaltender is Detroit, but they're in a rebuild stage, so nobody's really going to yeah. go there. So. And like you said, Henry Lundqvist needs to go to a contender. He can't go to a rebuild team like Wild. No, he's like got to go to a team that wins now. But there's no team out there that's ready to win now that has an issue in goal. Toronto doesn't even have maybe an the Jets. Actually, this is a good segue. Maybe the Jets or Calgary. Uh, Connor Hellebuck's the Hellebuck's too good. For the Vesna. Yeah, for the he's a finalist for the Vesna. And yeah, but he could be a backup. He could be a Hellebuck's not a backup. no, no, no. no. I'm Henry Lundqvist. Lundqvist. Lundqvist, of course. No, uh, they're not going to be able to fit that with their cap situation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I keep like the, the salary cap is a hard cap in the NHL. It's it's not easy to navigate once you sign these contracts. But that leads into I think the only like everything else has been pretty straightforward in my in my opinion. Like Maple Leaves and Blue Jackets have been fun, but nothing's really like stands out to me. Oh, uh, maybe God. I'm missing something. I, I you like, are totally missing. Something. Oh wait, that, we had the huge injury today with with Nis. Um, Oh, who got injured? Yesterday it was Jake Muzzin. Muzzin. Yeah, Jake Muzzin got hurt. He went to the hospital. He's okay. Um, you know, they're, he's quarantining. Did right you now. find that dirty? Did you find that hit dirty? It was a cross check for sure. No, I saw the more of the hit on. I didn't think the Muzzin one was dirty so much because he he fell backwards into the guy's leg. The one that was dirty, in a sense, was. Um, Mark Shifley getting hurt yeah, by, in uh, by, by Matthew Kachuk last week. I think that was more of the dirty one, but it was so fast. I don't think it was a stomp that people were making a big deal about, but I mean, Winnipeg's in big trouble because they're not going to be able to score without their top two scorers and Mark Shifley and Patrick Laine. Here's my thing. I think what happens is the 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 I don't want to call it invention, but the, the advancement of the camera – the video camera to be able to slow things down at a crawl pace so we can analyze these hits right. has been the biggest mistake that we can ch- achieve here. Thank we, you. We have to analyze these hits at real time speed to get a real feel for what happened. Right. Any like the the any hit, just about I would say ninety percent of hits, a player in some way is leaving their feet in real time. It's not going to look that bad because it's in real time, and yes, they're leaving their feet, but it's not in a, in a malicious way. When you slow momentum, it's momentum, right? It's physics. When you are slowing down, and then you're seeing that any hit can look dirty. Claude Giroux's hit in 2011 or 2012 when he laid Sidney Crosby on his ass, he left his feet, but it was a clean, concise hit. But if right. you slow that down, it's a dirty hit. You have yeah. to analyze these things at real time speed to get a feel. for them. Yeah, we're not talking Steve Downey where he got suspended for 20 games where he would a full charge like an elite a legal check. If you hit the guy and you come off your feet, that's fine. You can't jump before you hit and you have to stop skating a stride before you hit. You if you keep keep moving your feet, that's called charging. Um, you know, it, I slowing it down. I can see from people they they have to watch it ten fifteen times. Oh, he could have stopped, but you don't realize these guys are going like twenty miles an hour. You try stopping in a, in a split second when you're doing something at twenty miles an hour. You tell me how fast you can do it. So, um, you know, there's no there's no excuse for somehow things happen. Some guys do it and know it. Um, there's no place for that in the game. Uh, Paul Maurice thought the hit from Matthew Kachuk was dirty. Um, but even Matthew Kachuk said, look, it was it was a bang-bang thing. He goes, I'm really sorry that he got hurt, but it's not that I didn't intend to injure him. And Paul Maurice said, no, that was dirty. He tried to stomp him, all this stuff. And I think know, Paul Maurice starting... is just trying to stand up for his guy. But, I and, think and, that and... he's trying to fire his team up because he knows and yeah. they had to because they came back and won in game two. But game three, they got blown out. They got blown out 6-2 to two yesterday. Yeah. So 
it's um they're in trouble. They're they're in big time trouble. But I think the most entertaining series so far, in my opinion, has been the Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets. That's been su- that's been great goaltending the whole time. Jonas Corposalo, my goodness, I didn't believe how good he was. I mean, you know that series. If you love great goaltending, Freddie Anderson is playing out of his mind. Eunice Carpasal is playing out of his mind. That series tied 1-1. Uh, they play tomorrow at 8 o'clock or Wednesday at 8 o'clock. That's going to be such a fun game right after the Flyers won. Um, and I think the next one we'll see in elimination in is probably uh, the Islanders. I think the Islanders are stacked to knock out the Panthers in a few days here because they're yeah, up 2-1 to one today. Yeah, Panthers just don't – they can't get over the hump. They tried with, they, they've tried the um... – they're hot and cold. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're hot yeah. and cold on their offense, and also, and they have Bobrovsky. Like he's just not a guy. He's a guy. Like as much as I liked him when he was at the Flyers, he's just a guy anymore. Yeah, he is. And you have to sometimes think that you know, we saw this here when Brzezgalov came here, and Brzezgalov did not play as well as he did in Phoenix. Although in I Arizona. will say, because you brought uh, Brzezgalov, I will say in an alternative universe. If they had stuck with Bobrovsky and never brought in Brzezgalov, I think we're talking about a different Flyers team, and I think we're talking about a different uh, Bobrovsky at that point too. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, absolutely. I mean, you can always, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. No matter what, with Bobrovsky though, you could see it was more of the system that it was for him rather than actually, um, you know, uh, you know, the defensive oriented system going from Ken Hitchcock to John Tortorella. Uh, how responsible those coaches are defensively, how it helped him out. You see a team that's not as responsible defensively and a team that likes to play more wide open under Joel Quenville. Uh, they can't score, but he's he's you know he didn't have the best of seasons. Um, with 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 also taking into consideration, you know the Flyers, depending on how they come out with this, it looks like at this point they're not going to finish any lower than third. So with Boston's probably going to finish if they, up as low as seed. Yeah, if they get if they get a point if they just get a point tomorrow, they get they're guaranteed a third seed, which is great. Right, which is excellent. So you're probably looking at probably I would say maybe the Islanders and the Islanders yep. they looked pretty good. They they looked staunch defensively. Bobrovsky played well, but Simeon Varlamo has been been out playing them. So that's an important thing that people understand that. The Islanders, you're not going to get into a shooting match with them. It's not going to be a 7-6, 7-5 game. You're going to have to play tight defensive, nerve-wracking 2-1, 3-2, 4 twos. You're going to have to play those types of games against them if yeah. you play them. Well, let's let's just dive into this. Let's, so we have Washington tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Um, they, they lost a tough one to Tampa the other day, and that this is this is it for them. If they want to be able to – they got a point out of the Tampa game, but that, that I thought they looked decent. Um, they did I for think half wa- the game. I, Both yeah, teams exactly. decent half the game. So, I, like, put it this way. Both of the – in years past when the Flyers have always been labeled contenders or just being really, really good team – a really good team in, in the past – you kind of just go, yeah, but they're not going to beat the Tampas. They're not going to beat when Boston was really good in 2011-2012, that era. No team scares me anymore with this team, at least this for this season, I should say. <laughs> like, I, I know that they could easily lose tomorrow against Washington because Washington's a very good team. My point is, I'm not going with the mindset of, yeah, but if this goes wrong, it's all over for them. If something goes wrong, if one facet of the Flyers game goes wrong tomorrow in, against Washington, it's not the end of the world. Well, no, and, you know? it's not. No, I agree with you, and because it's it's a tune-up for them. And Vigneault, like we stated the past couple episodes, Vigneault was trying different things. It's important to watch, though. Regardless what happens tomorrow, I'd, I would be hard-pressed to see the Flyers get the first seed at this point. Tampa, 
they played, it's weird, when they played Washington yesterday, they started off well, then they cooled down, and then Washington got those two wonky goals. You and I were chit-chatting during that, and I even said to you, Andre Vasilevsky gives up the weirdest goals. We're yep. talking strange long-range shots to just that find a way through in this guy. I mean, in tight, he's, he's so, you can't score on him in tight. You can't. But then you'll have one where it hits him and he loses sight of it or something where it just, like, you look at it and say, a guy this good should not be giving up that style goal. He gives up a lot of shaky goals. You're not going to beat Vasilevsky often by fancy plays, crisscross plays, lots of cross ice play because he's so strong laterally skating. But if you can shoot on him and you have a little bit of space, you probably can beat him because he plays a he he doesn't play exactly a blocking style. Um, he he reacts very well to the shots. But Vasilevsky, I, just, I don't know. It seems like under the arms just seem to be a problem with him. The shots always beat him below the arms. Don't go high glove. Try not to go high blocker either, uh, but he just always seems to just give up those wonky goals, and it really deflated them for a full period. Now he made it up for it in the third period. He played. He stood on his head. Um, Braden Holpe played a pretty decent game uh, off his angle on that second goal. I would say. Uh, Overall, though, it, 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 they, they took Tampa to a shootout, so Tampa's not invincible. It's going to be important to watch to see because Tampa's really played well. They played Boston today, and they they bought Tuka Rask, gave up two goals early. That Yeah, okay, first game back, a little rusty, turned it on after that, and really was shutting them down in the third until Tampa got the late one. They just seem to get – they start fast, and then when teams kind of slow down – and start playing their game instead of tr- instead of trying to keep up with their speed. They have more success that way. When you force Tampa to slow down, they don't play as well. So um, that's going to be key to watch over the next couple days. But when Washington tomorrow, I, the Washington didn't look terrible. They were getting a lot of offensive chances. They were really trying as far as getting guys moving. So it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a good game to watch. That's for sure. I know. I know it's it's going to sound chalk, but it, it's going to come down to what the top six does. I know we saw the production out of the out of the bottom six forwards uh, against Boston, and that that's great to see. Uh, but I think this the, tomorrow's game and and ipso facto the 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 Saturday game against Tampa, it's going to come down to what the top six is doing. If Claude Giroux and these guys, Travis Konechny is my guy. I, I'm watching for especially like I, we talked. We've been talking about him yeah, all he's season. Due. He's, he's due. due for something. I need to see. Uh, I, and I know that you're going to like this. And you're going to like this. I need something. Going. I need something out of him in the power play. If, yes. if, if we're if yes. we're going to have a chance here, it, it, like it's it. it, it it would be nice. I, I, I know. I get your point about if if Montreal somehow pulls it off against it's Pittsburgh and they're the 12 seed and they're facing the Flyers as a 112. Uh, uh, but again, no team in the NHL this year, th- it, like I, is immediately a chalked up loss. Like you can lose no, any given it night. Never is. It right. Never. It never is. That that there's there's so much parity in the league, especially with these 24 teams that are in it. Anybody can beat anybody else. That's yeah. absolutely the truth. I just the only team that makes me cautious is is Tampa because they have the Flyers have, have I think they've haven't beat them in the last two or three seasons. It's gonna I mean granted they were a little but, bit different teams then, but they didn't beat them in two matchups this year. 
Yeah, I, I, th- and I know I was say, like in, the, in two episodes ago, I was saying they're playing with house money. I don't care if they end up as the one seed, the twos. I, I think if they can just g- snag the two or three seed, and then if they get the one seed, more power to them. If they can get two or three, more power to them, and I think they're going to look very, very, very nicely in, in the quarterfinals and semifinals. See, here, here's the way. Here's the way that you need to look at it in order to get to the final. You need you need a round to get through. That's not the word easy, but you you can't go a long series in the first round. Yeah, if you're taking a, a game, going to a game seven in the first round, and you don't make quick work your team in the second round, you're going to have a very very hard time getting through. Great example is the San Jose Sharks last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they did in game, they were down three one against the the Vegas Golden Knights in, in in the first round, and they came back and and won game five. And they won game six or shorthanded in double overtime. And then they pulled off the most miraculous comeback I've ever seen. With 10 minutes to go in the third period, you're down 3 nothing. You, you take a 4-3 lead. You blow it in the minute, and then you win it in overtime. And you win the whole freaking series. You know, and then the next round, they went through and they, they handled Colorado, but it took them seven games. And then guess what? Santa, St. Louis blew them out because they were worn out in the third round. So you need to get through. You need a team that matches up against you well. A team like Montreal, just to say the Flyers did win the first overall seed, and say it happens where Montreal does win this round. They don't match up that well. They would dominate offensively, but all you need is Carey Price to stand on his head like he's been doing so far, and you're you're done. You're cooked. You need a team that matches up against you, and you can take on physically. Carolina would be a great first-round matchup because the Flyers can beat them. Carolina's got a, a little weak in goal. They have James Reimer and Peter Morozik. They started James Reimer today against the Rangers. I don't know why, but they did. Um, it's 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 important to know, though, that that's a matchup that they can win. They can work. That. Now, Sebastian Ajo is playing very well. Andrei Shevchenkov had a, had a hat-trick the other day. It's important to know that, but that's a good matchup for the Flyers because they've beaten them a lot this season with both goaltenders, and they can play well and keep up with their pace. You need that to ease you into the first round. If you play one of these teams that are hot coming in and you're just kind of underestimating them a little bit, guess what? You're going to run into problems, and that's exactly what Tampa did last year against against Columbus, and Columbus swept them. I can see the same thing this year where a lower team coming in who was playing with house money has got nothing to lose, all of a sudden is upsetting Tampa again, and the next thing you know, they're on the outside looking in. Or even taking them seven games where if you have to face them in a later round, they're beat up enough where you can imagine them. Imagine them. So yeah, it goes back to, as I've said in the past, things got to fall right. The cards got to fall in the right place. But the Flyers ending up with a two or three seed is much better than their odds against as a one seed. And I honestly, because I've seen it too many times where top teams have lost early because they, they just don't play well against a team that's playing hot. And a yeah, team Tampa last year. Exactly. That's a it's a great example. And um, you know, I could see the same thing with Montreal. Like they're giving Pittsburgh a run for their money. And Pittsburgh, you know, was a good team. We see them all the time. They play hard against the Flyers all the time. You know they're difficult to beat. But they can't rub off a team like Montreal who shouldn't have even been in the conversation hadn't it been for this twenty four round playoff. I, so that's my point, is that they're they're playing with house money and they know it and they're they're playing so well that you don't want to see them in the early rounds. I agree. So let's get to this. I said Travis Konechny is going to be the guy that you should be focused on for the next two games. I, I think uh, it, the top six is going to be one of the most important things in of the season for the next two matchups against Washington and Tampa. Who's the guy you're looking at? <sighs> That's a tough one. I mean, it's easy for me. I can always say Voracek, but let's not go with the obvious. <laughs> that's not, yeah, Voracek. Let's not go with the obvious there. Um, you can say JVR. 
He's yeah. got to really make sure he's 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 using that body in front of the net to create screens, cause disruption. He's got to play that game. A lot of goals that they're going to get are going to have to be dirty. They're they're just in the playoffs. You don't get clean goals very often. Um, goalies are playing at a different level. Players and defense are playing at a different level. Uh, forwards they just always need to be snake bitten. I've got to look at JVR, and he's got to have that stick down in front of the net. He's got to make sure he's creating chances. If you can get him into the first round with a goal or two, that's a little bit more confidence for him, and, and you're, you're going to need that because he's a guy where he's the type of player that's going to score you that late goal or a goal in overtime to win you a game or a series because he's just doing what he needs to do. So uh, I'm looking at JVR to, to break through here tomorrow. And what is your prediction? We'll, our next, we'll have a reactionary podcast to Washington tomorrow night, and then we'll have a reactionary podcast to the Tampa game and final wrap up of the play of the, of the round robins uh, for the Eastern Conference. What's your prediction for the next two games? Well, I think for we said, both said last week they would probably lose against Boston. We were both dead wrong. Um, I think they're going to split. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a couple of schmucks doing a hockey podcast. Where uh, what, what did I call you say early the hockey Nostradamus. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think um, I think against Washington they should win. Um, Washington I think is also playing with house money. It really comes down to how well they uh, how Brayton Holby plays. It, it comes down to that. You can. Their, their defense is mediocre. It's not anything to write home about, but they're so loaded offensively. You have Avechkin, you have Nick Backstrom, you have Jacob Brana, you have Evgeny Kuznetsov. Um, you have guys who TJ Oshie. Let's not forget about him. John Carlson led the defense, led the uh, the league with defenseman points this year. Probably going to win the Norris Trophy. Um, they have a lot going for them offensively. And even I snuck it in the preview last week. Dimitri Orlov, I don't know what it is about that guy. He never scores, but he always scores against the Flyers for some reason. He does. You're right. It, it, with So Orlov with that, it, it, I just it's going to come down to are you going to play? You're not going to play a tight defensive game against them. I'd be very surprised if they did. I think this might be a little more wide open. You're probably going to see something like a 4-3 game or maybe even a 5-4 game if we're that lucky. Um I think maybe the Flyers edges one out. I just, I don't see them beating Tampa. I just, I unless they can, you know, if it's not about the hot start, if they, if they can play responsibly defensively for the first, I would say half of the game, and then maybe you know if they open it up a little bit and start playing with Tampa, I think that that they could they could pull it out. But I just I don't know if they can really just match up well against the Lightning. I just think that the Lightning are, are, are steamrolling teams the way they're playing against them, and I just don't know if that's going to be something the Flyers are going to be able to do in the Brown Robin. Yeah, I, I'm going the other way. I, I I see them getting maybe a point a point out of out of tomorrow night. I think I think I think Elliot is going to cool down a little bit here despite his hot start. Uh, and then I think Carter Hart takes the reins here. I think we're going to see something special here, especially because he got over that hump of the quote-unquote away game. Uh, it, it being away from home ice is something that was a question mark going into this, and he stood on his head against Boston. Uh, I think Elliott's going I, 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 to... I, like, I, like you said, it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be 4-3, 5-4 overtime. I, I see it as... like. I think Elliot just cut, kind of takes a step back here, 
and then come Saturday, I, I think the Flyers win a close one. They might win another. It might be back-to-back overtime games for all, for in, in my eyes for for the Flyers. And they're. I also think just the, with how the NHL has been working this year, they want as much drama as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you have Saturday as the question mark for potentially up to three teams vying for the top three's te- three, three seeds here. Um, Really, uh, top four seeds because Boston will still be in the conversation to snag a three seed at least. I believe if if things work out that way, like I, I, I think this is going to come down to Saturday for that one seed against Tampa, and I, th- and something tells me they're going to get the one seed, man. I really do. Like whether oh, that they, makes me nervous. I don't think they deserve it, and they've been playing really well, good. No, Boston- no, 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 no. Don't say they don't deserve it because if they get the first seed, they earn it. I just. Yeah, I my concern is this. There, listen. We're in Philadelphia. We're in the hotbed of goaltending and the hotbed of the most critical sports fans ever. Which is what's the best thing about the city is that they don't give this team any slack. If the Flyers earn that top seed, people are expecting them to win the cup. There's no no getting just to the conference final. There's no elimination in the first round. Anything else is an absolute failure. It, the, the the best thing this team can have, frankly, is people doubting them. And, and yeah, you're right. Cool, no, you're right. Call me crazy, but it's the truth. If you doubt this team like you did a couple years ago, the Eagles, no, they're not gonna beat. Not gonna beat the Falcons. No, they're not gonna beat the Vikings. No, they're not gonna beat the Patriots. Same thing with the Flyers, man. Yeah, I'm doubting them against Tampa because they haven't shown me they've done it yet. Once they show me, I'll be a little more confident, but I'll be much more confident if they were a two or three seed getting a team that's a little more evenly matched and saying, hey, we just beat Tampa, we're on our, we're, we feel great, we won the top seed, and then all of a sudden you're playing the lowest seed and all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in because you had to play Columbus and you couldn't beat them. Well, the good thing is A.V., like AV has I this get team it. so focused. I get it. Look, I completely agree with you. It's no, it's no. That's no shade to Vigneault. That's no shade to the Flyers. It's just it gives them a little more something to feed off of. Because listen, if you're going against a team that has no right to be there and they have a shot. I tell you what, they're going to be wanting it more than the Flyers, no matter how bad the Flyers want it, because they know they're not supposed to be there. Yep. If you get a team that you know you're supposed to play against and you had the opportunity to play against, you'll have more of a battle there, and it'll be much, much more entertaining series. Um, I, I just, I, I don't ever feel confident with top seeds playing the low ones because I've seen it too many times in the past. So yeah, let's be real. Either way, this is going to be so. The, this has worked out. So much better than I could have even imagined. This has been genius by the NHL. I think there's still a lot of question marks for what happens in December for the following season. But until we have that discussion, man, I'm enjoying this. I can't wait for tomorrow. This has been one of the best. And the NHL has been crushing it in the ratings. They were NASCAR. I forget. I'm not a NASCAR fan. I don't know what the the race was. But they were the top thing over the weekend. I'm sure they turned left 500 times. Exactly. But the the great thing was NHL had like five or six games that were in the top uh, 15 for overall sports uh, broadcast for the weekend. Like, this is the golden, not, I don't want to say gold, I shouldn't say golden age. That's a wrong term. But, like, this is a fun moment for the NHL to realize where they're at. People are star for sports. The NHL is fun. The NBA is fun. The bubbles are working. So, I'm enjoying this way more than I could have ever imagined. Dude, I, I you know, I was sitting back. I was watching the, uh, I, I, I watch all the recaps on NH, on the NHL app. And I was watching all of the recaps. And just, I'm thinking, it is August. It's August. And they're playing hockey. And it's meaningful hockey. And it's fun. And, 
like no matter what, like you turn on the TV or whatnot, and there's hockey on. There's yep. hockey on twelve hours a day. Like it's really gonna suck when this when this round robin and and, and opening round ends because you're not gonna get that all day coverage. But dude, this has been so much fun. You know, I I take a lot back. I have to give an NHL a lot of credit. Like this is one of the ideas that right out of the gate sounded great and you wondered about the execution and now you're seeing the execution and this has been fantastic i mean i have not been prouder to be a fan of hockey in the nhl in in years because this is the right way to do it and i'm so happy that it's happening now because like you talked we talked about before in previous podcasts you're right more people are watching they're so starved it's getting a new audience they're seeing the you know the marketability because you're watching Connor mcdavid at a decent time of the day in yeah. prime time, yep. you're watching the best. Play. He scored a hat trick the other night. Like it was ridiculous. He scored two goals in the first five minutes, and they were ridiculous, ridiculous goals. Like you're seeing the talent that's out here, and you're getting into it because they've all been competitive games. There hasn't been a blowout yet, and man, this is fantastic. I wish we could do this every year. Right? I could see them doing. I, they're not going to do this for twenty two game, twenty two teams. But mm-hmm. man, they, they the playoffs are going to get a lot more attention now. Even, even oh, yeah. so, it's going to be a lot of fun for future. The future of hockey is good. It's that's great. for sure. It's so th- that's. I think that's a great spot to wrap this up. This this ep- this has been episode thirty eight. The Paul Healy episode once again. <laughs> Got to bring up Paul Healy, back. right? Paul Healy episode. Paul Shout Healy. out to Paul Healy. Uh, we we hope you're listening and, and enjoying this. I mean, I know, like we just said, Scott and I certainly are. Uh, give us a follow on R One Penguins. Oh Ugh. boy. Oh boy. Well, yeah. technically, that's also a good thing because that that takes the pressure off the one seed. Uh, yeah. For if the Flyers snag it, but that's gonna do it. It is Orange and Backcheck. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Exactly how it sounds. Orange and Backcheck will pop right up. Uh, for Scott Weinhart. Oh, send us an email too. Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com If you have questions or thoughts for yourself, we'll we'll read them on the air or whatever you call this. I guess this is the air. Uh, so we appreciate it. We'll talk to you. We're gonna talk to you again tomorrow. We're gonna back to back another game. We're, 4 p.m. tomorrow for hockey. We're less than 24 hours away, and then we're going to record another one. Scott, you ready for this? I'm pumped, man. Let's do it. So much fun. Tune in tomorrow, and we'll have it tomorrow night. Orange and Backcheck, I'm Bill Kornfeld. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Give me more hockey! Let's make sure I don't f*** up any more than I already have.